0: Welcome to the More Sense Than Dollars Podcast, where your hosts, Nick and Harry.
1: Hello, Nick. Hello, listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in to Episode 1. You're joining us to talk about stocks and the stock market today. Ready for this, Nick? I'm
0: super excited to get into it. I'm looking forward to getting the podcast kicked off. But before we get into the stock market and all that fun stuff. Why are
1: we starting here? Well, it's a hot topic right now. A lot of people are trying to get involved in the stock market and buy stocks. And unfortunately, there's a lot of money being lost, also gained. But we wanted to start here with the podcast as episode one to show you how to buy stocks and get involved in the stock market safely.
0: Yeah, we're not saying this is where you should start taking control of your finances, but a lot of you are going to be doing this. It's, it's big right now. And so we want to make sure you're doing it safely. And you can have a lot of fun. Uh, I think that's an important distinction. You can use your fun money in the market and have fun with it without putting your financial security at risk. So if that's something that's appealing to you, This is going to be really helpful to do that safely as well.
1: That's right. So you should come away from this episode understanding what stocks in the stock market are and then how to actually go out and buy them. So let's start with what a stock is. Can you explain? Stocks
0: are pieces of ownership that companies sell to raise money. I want to talk briefly just about slight difference between the words stock and shares. If I wanted to grab three stocks out of, you know, out of a bag, one of them might be Nike, one of them might be Apple, one of them might be Amazon. And then each of those stocks has shares. So you might say I own a hundred shares of Nike and I own fifty shares of Apple, and I own two shares of Amazon. So they're very similar words. Sometimes people use them interchangeably. We might use them interchangeably during the course of this episode. Don't get confused. Roughly the same thing. We're talking about a piece of ownership in a company
1: that can be exchanged for money. Companies issue stock, offer stock to the public so that they can get money to grow their company, to buy new machinery, to open new offices, things like that. To pay unnecessarily large bonuses to their CEOs. They do use it for that too. Yes. So... Why might they offer stock instead of just going down to the bank and taking out a loan? So that is another way to raise money. And you will see some
0: situations where companies do that. But the disadvantage of taking out a loan versus issuing stock is that you have to pay the loan back. right? And you don't just pay the loan back. You don't just pay the money you took out. You also pay some interest on that money. When you issue stock and the public buys the shares that the company is offering, the company keeps that money. They're under no obligation to ever buy that stock back, to close that loop. The The money is now in the company's hands, and in exchange, whoever purchased the stock has a piece of ownership of that
1: company. So why should we get involved? The company benefits, they get money to go do whatever they want with, pretty much. Why would we buy
0: it? So for almost everyone that invests and purchases shares in this manner, the goal is to make money. So maybe I buy the share from the company when they first offer it for $20, or maybe I buy 10 shares for $200. And then two years from now, maybe that share price has changed, it could have gone up. Maybe it's double what I originally paid for that 200 I originally spent. And I sell them to someone else for $400. And I've made $200 now. And that is a simplified example. But that is really the root of why most people invest in the stock market and purchase shares. They're hoping to sell them again in the future at a higher price to make
1: money. You also get voting rights within the company because you're actually technically an owner of the company. So if you own a lot of shares, you could actually have some influence because each share is usually a vote in um, a, a shareholder meeting. And so if you have a ton of shares, you can actually have some influence over what the company does.
0: But when we say a ton, we mean a ton. Issued shares, the number of shares that a company has actually sold, the number of pieces of ownership, is often in the millions to actually make your vote matter. You would need to have a pretty big percentage of those million shares. And so we're talking big bucks for almost everyone and almost certainly everyone listening to this podcast. If you're trying to get control of your personal finances, we're looking into doing this
1: for money. And before you go out and buy these shares, it makes sense to understand where they're actually being bought and sold in these stock exchanges. There are two big ones. There's the New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ. Other countries have their own, but we're going to focus on the US-based ones. So the New York Stock Exchange, that was an actual... It still is an actual physical place in the financial district in New York City. Not as much actual trading happens on the floor there. It's all online mostly now. And the NASDAQ is the other one. That's where tech companies are bought and sold. And that one is all online. So within those stock exchanges, can you explain how we get a sense of how the market is doing as a whole? Yes, but
0: real quick, I just wanted to point out why why the stock exchange, why the market exists. And that's because... Most trades of these stocks are happening between investors, not you and the company. And so you can't you can't have Coca-Cola stock and go to Coca-Cola and say, hey, I want to sell these for this. You need to find someone else that either wants to buy your Coca-Cola shares or wants to sell you their shares. And so someone plays matchmaker to connect the two of you. And that's the function of the market. That's why the market actually exists. They're fulfilling a function as matchmaker. That's right. But yeah, back to your original question and how do we actually track the performance of the markets? How do we know how they're doing? What do people mean when they say the stock market's doing well today up or or down today? Exactly. How are they comparing these? And that's all done using something called indexes. And indexes are a way to quickly and easily compare market performance. There's, you know, several thousand companies that are being traded in the U.S. markets, and it's impossible to just quickly scan all those and see how things are going, right? It's it's way too much information to process, and so these indexes are dollar numbers. Like the indexes have a value, and it's in dollars, but it's a calculated average of a group of companies that make up the index. And so the there's three major ones. The biggest is the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which is usually just called the Dow, and that's 30 of the biggest companies in the U.S. across all different
1: industries. But you had a good analogy for this when we were talking off mic about uh, political polling, yeah. right? Like, how yeah. do we have 30 companies representing the entire U.S. stock market?
0: Yeah, and so they do it by—it's a a representative sample, it's called. And you'll see that a lot in political polling, where every so often there's an update in the president's approval rating. And they get that number from polling people, and they don't ask every single voter in the country what their thoughts on the president are or if they give him a thumbs up or a thumbs down. They take a smaller, a significantly smaller number of people— that are spread out enough in different demographics, different areas, that they are a pretty good representation of the overall populace and the overall country's thoughts on the president or whatever political thing they're asking about. It's very similar to how the indexes work, where they take these 30 companies that are spread out across enough different industries and sizes and involved in different areas and things like that, and they're able to use that as a pretty good judge of the overall market performance. If these 30 companies overall are doing better, are worth more, and the Dow Jones is going up, then it means the economy is generally doing better. The
1: market's doing better. We've got some other big ones too, right? The S&P 500 you've probably heard of. That one is it's similar. It's 500 companies instead of 30. 500 of the biggest in the country. And that's... Also, across different industries, to give us a sense of how the market's doing as a whole, there are something, a few thousand companies on the stock exchange. So we take 500, and that tells us if the market in general, on average, is going up or down on a given day.
0: And lastly, the the last of the big three is the NASDAQ, which Harry briefly mentioned is also a market where the tech stocks are generally traded but it's also an index and it tracks a rough average of the value of the companies being traded on the NASDAQ. We're talking companies like Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Google, Intel, Netflix, companies like this. And looking at how the NASDAQ is doing shows which direction the tech industry is trending. And I think that that trending piece is a big piece of this and where some people get tripped up. And want to know like what a good number is for an index to have. And that doesn't really matter, right? What What the number itself is. The number doesn't mean
1: anything. Comparing the numbers of two different indexes doesn't really mean anything. You just want it to go up. Right. If, if you're investing in companies that are in these indexes, then you just want it to go up.
0: Yeah. You compare an index to itself at a different point in time, yep. not other indexes. So you can take the Dow, look at what it is today. If it's higher than it was yesterday, then the market's trending upwards. If it's been higher than it was yesterday for, you know, a year in a row, then you have, you know, you have a stronger trend line upwards. Or if it's lower than it was a year ago, you know that the general
1: trend in the past year has been downwards. So those are the three big ones. you got the Dow Jones Industrial Average, S&P 500, and the NASDAQ. You can search for those on Google, on CNBC, on Yahoo Finance, and Apple. And you can get a Apple stocks. You get a sense of how the stock market's doing. If you look at
0: any financial news, the first thing you're going to see is some thoughts on how
1: those indexes are doing. Right. And so continuing on the theme of indexes, within those stock markets, exchanges you know we have thousands of companies being bought and sold we also have these things called index funds can you explain what those are
0: right yeah and so mentioned on it briefly how marketing can be a little bit like gambling picking an individual stock an individual company to invest in is putting all your eggs in one basket right it's if that company does well then your money is gonna you know gain value but if something happens like Samsung's phones start exploding or BP dumps a crap ton of oil in the Gulf. Things like this, that you couldn't foresee happening. You're risking losing all of your money because you put it all in one basket. So one way to get around this one way to be a safe investor, and this is especially important in your retirement funds is to use index funds. And these are. Traded like stocks, you'll they have a value associated with them. When you buy an index fund, you're you're gonna see a certain number of shares of that fund that you have in your account, but it's actually a combination of whatever companies make up that index. And so you have instead of a single stock and all of your eggs in one basket that one share, however many shares you purchased, is actually made up of a ton of different slivers of different companies. So you might have like a tiny piece of 500 different companies just by buying a single share of an index fund.
1: So what are the the big ones? You've got like VOO, that tracks the S&P 500. Yep, there's the
0: total the total market ones, right, that try yep. to track the whole thing, the like VTI, VOO. As long as they're tracking, you know, Top five hundred companies. It's essentially a total market fund. You're you're getting most of the action. There's also ones like the Q's. Yep. Which um, QQQ is is the full name? It's called, it's called the Q's though, and that tracks the top one hundred non finance tech companies. And so that that's much more tech focused obviously and so if you are very confident about the future of technology and the role that's going to play in in the u.s economy and the worldwide economy you can focus or you can invest just in tech but still be diversified with just a simple purchase so the the index funds are a really great way to both safely invest and even if you eventually want to get towards some more risky investing it's a great way to dip your toes in and get a feel for just how the whole thing works you know like mechanically logistically speaking before you try to get into understanding what's actually moving the market
1: you can find them for most industries too like there are a lot of you might also see them called etfs exchange traded funds but there will be ones for the clean energy industry for yeah. the cannabis industry
0: icln is a really popular one for clean energy right now um, pot x p-o-t-x has a bunch of different cannabis companies in it and you can e- even use these index funds to try and support not just companies that
1: you like but you can support industries you industry, like. yeah. right. That's so a good point some... so if you're looking into this and you're seeing you know i start checking on yahoo finance or cnbc and i'm seeing the prices of companies going up and down Why might the price of a stock go up or down any given day? Well, it really comes down to one thing, and that's
0: supply and demand. If there's more people that want to buy the stock than sell it, prices go up. Because you need to weed out some of those sellers. I mean, weed out some of the buyers. Too many people want to buy it. If there's more sellers than buyers, more people want to sell this specific stock than buy it, then the price goes down, right? There, You need to find more people willing to buy it, and that happens by the price dropping. That's a simple answer, supply and demand, but what causes those changes in supply and demand? Why might more people wanna
1: buy a stock than yesterday? If the company earned more money than they expected to, people guess what they think a company's going to make and what they report in their earnings. And if they did better than we thought, it's a more valuable company. That's called beating earnings. So that could be a reason. What about buying another company? Facebook buying Instagram, Uber buying Postmates?
0: Yep. Stuff like that or new products when there's a new iPhone conference. Sorry, not iPhone. When there's a new Apple conference coming up or when there's you know a potential vaccine announcement. Um, there was a lot of hype and excitement around that. Rise from Moderna, right? Exactly. And so what, what it really just comes down to is things that generate excitement. On the flip side,
1: what makes stock prices go down? Well, if they underperform against their earnings, they didn't make as much as we thought they were going to or that they planned to, or something bad happens. You mentioned Samsung's phones blowing up or an oil spill. Those could be reasons why you know, the company is riskier, People don't want to own it as much. They're not as confident in the company. They, they want to sell their stock.
0: Yep. And there's someone out there that's saying, I think you're wrong. I'm going to take advantage of this and buy it when it's cheaper and hopefully sell it for more later. So it's pretty interesting. I mean, if you're into it, right? This is stuff that we find interesting. Yeah. And it's, it gets very psychological too because everyone's pretty much working with the same information. There's There's very strict laws and controls and we can argue over whether the the they're enforced enough i think you and i are in agreement and most people probably are that they're a little lax on the enforcement side of these things yeah. but the laws are there whether or not they're enforced to try and keep the information on a level playing field and so it really comes down to differences of opinion and whether these stocks go up or down
1: Yeah, if you buy a company's stock, you're betting that it's going to go up, but nobody knows if it's actually going to go up. So it makes it a little exciting.
0: And so these examples were very focused on individual companies' stock prices going up or down. But those prices, those price changes on these smaller companies roll up into the index funds, right? If, If a significant portion of the tech industry's stock prices are going down because of some issue in the tech sector, that's going to be reflected in a tech-focused index fund
1: like the Qs. Okay, so you hung with us on all of the context and background and what stocks are and where they're bought and sold. Now we're going to show you how to actually go buy them. So if I'm somebody I'm listening along, I'm ready to go buy some, I have some money sitting aside. I want to go buy some shares of Apple or Facebook, how do I get started in doing that? You need a
0: brokerage account. And it's a bank account, kind of similar to a checking account or a savings account. You can deposit money into it. You can withdraw money from it. You can even have your paycheck get deposited directly to a brokerage account. The real difference is that you can use the money in a brokerage account to purchase stocks. Okay, so there are so many brokerages out there. there. There's a bunch. We'll put links to some resources in the show notes to help you find the yeah. ones
1: available, but it's, it's tough to say one's better than the other. All right, so once you've picked the app, you've downloaded it, you've set up an account, put in your information. You'll need some personal information in there so they know it's really you.
0: Yeah, they'll ask a ton of questions. These should be... There's no trick pop quiz. These should be easy. Your name, social phone number, et cetera, et cetera. Two things that might trip you up usually come at the end. Um, These aren't trick questions, but they'll ask for your investment objectives and your risk tolerance when it comes to investing. As a new investor, you probably don't have answers to these and that's totally fine. These questions are just used to determine your access to some more advanced trading strategies. And it's really the type of thing you don't want to touch until you've been in the market for a few years and familiarize yourself with everything. So for the purpose of what we're talking about for dipping your toes in, just getting a feel for stuff, your answers to those questions don't matter. You can always change your answers later. Don't get stressed,
1: pick something and move on. All right. So let's say for example, I want to buy some shares of Apple or Nike or Microsoft. When I go into the app, I put in the ticker, right? Or I search the company and you'll see the abbreviation, the ticker for it. How do I actually go buy the shares? Yeah,
0: well, you need money in the brokerage account. So first step is after you open the brokerage account is going to be to transfer some money to that account. You know which stock you want. You've looked them up. You're on their page. Now you're ready
1: to actually make a trade, take ownership
0: of some shares.
1: And so there are a few ways to, once you put in the number of shares that you want to buy, you have to select from a few other options. So the first thing you're going to do, you're going to pick the company, you're going to put the number of shares, then there's going to be uh, either a market order or a limit order. A market order is going to execute the trade, which means buy the shares at whatever the current price is in the market. If the market's closed, it'll do it at whatever it is when it opens. You could also select a limit order, which will have you select a price and it won't let you purchase the shares for above that price. Easy way to think of it is the market order guarantees
0: that your trade will happen, but you can't guarantee what price it'll happen at. And that makes the limit order significantly safer and for a beginner just learning how to do these things, it really is the only option you should be using, in my opinion, the limit order.
1: All right, so then once you have that market or limit decided, you go and purchase the shares. We should have mentioned you could also buy pieces of a share, so a fractional share. We mentioned index funds are way if you don't have the money to buy one of each of those shares. If you do want to buy just one company, but you don't have enough for the whole stock, Amazon three thousand plus dollars, you can buy just a piece of it at some of these brokerages. Yeah, and so in that
0: case, you don't enter how many shares you want to buy; you enter how much money you want to spend, and they'll they'll do the math for you and say, okay, you want to spend a hundred bucks, you can get, you know, three percent of an Amazon share.
1: So once that order gets filled, you are now the proud owner of whatever index fund or company shares that you bought.
0: Yep. That money will no longer be in your account. And in place of it, you'll see your portfolio will have listed whatever stocks you've now purchased. And the value of your portfolio, the value of your account will fluctuate as the prices of those stocks go up and down. Is this something that everyone listening should run out and start
1: participating in? You've got to figure out if you're in a position to invest. Do you have an emergency fund built up? Do you have a budget for your money? There are future episodes coming up that will help you get there. If you're not in a place where you're financially secure enough to spend money in the stock market that you might lose, so figure out, Are you some? do you have money set aside that you're willing to lose? If so, we just told you how to do it. You can go out and do it. If not, you should probably wait, listen to episode two on how to make a budget, episode three on creating an emergency fund so that you have this peace of mind and all of your important needs are covered so that you can live without worrying about your rent money getting lost in the stock market.
0: Yeah, it, it really comes down to... What is Where is the money that you're potentially putting in the market coming from? Yeah. Right. Are are you looking to have fun and do something with your money besides drinking, watching movies, going out to eat? This might be something to start getting into. If you're still trying to figure out how to manage your personal finances, how to build a budget, how to make your money work for you in all of
1: this, this is not the place to start. So... If you are ready, go open that brokerage account, buy some stocks, and have fun with it. It can be a a very cool way to make money. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. That was episode one. Check in for episode two. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
0: You've been listening to the More Sense Than Dollars podcast.